hey, as you guys can see up here on the monitors, uh, we'll be having a covenant class on Sunday, uh, February the 18th. And uh, if you've never been in the covenant class and that's something you'd like to do and you'd want to know a little bit more about the church, uh, the mission of the church, the heart of the church, the identity of the church, uh, feel free to, to sign up for that covenant class. And I'll be leading that class, so you will get a double dip that Sunday morning. And I'll, I'll apologize to you for that. But the, the class uh, is probably 35, 40 minutes. And um, you get a much better in, insight of, of who we are and, and what God has called us to do. So if that's you and you're interested in that, uh, you see the date, February 18th. You see the time, 930. Uh, the class will be held downstairs. And... Uh, We'd love to have you be a part of that class. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, listen, uh, we are in the last chapter of 2 Thessalonians, right? Chapter 3. And uh, we're, we're going to cover five verses today, just five verses. Uh, and as you'll see as we open up uh, this third chapter, there's a couple of things that the Apostle Paul in this chapter is addressing, right? He's going to address... And uh, he alludes to that right off the bat. And uh, you guys know this church in Thessalonica was a young church. And I've said this multiple times that we've done the study through 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, that the church was born over a brief period of about three weeks or so. And, uh, but yet God was doing some pretty incredible things in the life of this church. Yet, even though incredible things were being done, there were growth pains taking place. And the Apostle Paul was having to address certain things within the life of the church that had entered into the church that was a detriment to the development of the church and the purpose of God uh, for the body of Christ in Thessalonica. So Paul addresses these things. And he's done it through the, you know, the, uh, the first book of Thessalonians, and then he's done through the first two chapters of 2 Thessalonians, addressing different things. And then he transitions on his way out of this letter, to close this letter, he transitions uh, to address a, a couple more things as he closes. What we're going to touch on is these first five verses, okay? And so if you'll turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, you're, feel free to follow along with us on the, on the monitors up here. And uh, uh, we'll read these five verses, and then we'll just start to unpack it, okay? And let me, let me give you guys a, a praise report this morning. Uh, Miss Mildred is, is making improvements each week. Uh, uh, So praise God, if, if you guys have been on this journey with us over the last few weeks, man, there's been some high places and some low places. And uh, God has been so kind and so faithful to extend uh, grace and, and strength to Miss Mildred, as well as those who are caring for her. It's been a, an incredible journey, though exhausting for the family and for those of you who have been praying uh, uh, for her, I'd ask you to continue to pray for her. And the needs are many. Uh, in this church, and you guys know this, we, we try to keep you guys posted, uh, but I also like to try to give you some updates uh, when I possibly can. Uh, you guys knew that Miss Penny Rockford had a heart attack. Uh, it was, I believe, Thursday, and uh, she is going home about right now, uh, this, this moment. And uh, 
You guys know, if you saw the post, there were some things that had taken place while she was in the hospital that was just hard to account for. And uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you know, the doctor just couldn't put a, a finger on exactly why it happened the way it did. Um, you know, uh, you and I, I, I feel like we can put a, a pretty solid finger on that. And so I, I do thank God for his care over our body and, and those of you who are in need. And, and I want to remind you guys, when we put prayer requests on the Facebook page and the family page, man, the moment you see it, just stop. Just stop right there. Man, it's not going to take you a few seconds to, to extract that name from that request and just say, oh, God in heaven, you love us, and lay those people at, your, at, at God's feet. And then I got a praise report this morning from Amanda. You guys saw the, the report regarding the, the tragic car wreck uh, that took place on I-65 south of Bodyville. Uh, this week, uh, Doug Baker called me early that morning, and he was the first one on, on site. Three of the children were, uh, uh, they were all coherent, but there were, there were injuries to some degree. But the mother suffered uh, severe, severe injuries. And Doug was the first one on, on uh, site. And as the woman began to uh, regain some level of consciousness, she was trying to spit glass out of her mouth. You know, so you can speak, you can, you can understand visually the, the degree of maybe these injuries. And Doug, being wise, speaks to the mother what a mother would want to know. And he said to her, your children are okay. Because even a mother fighting for her life would want to know, are my babies good? And so uh, uh, I'm thankful, though it's difficult on Doug, and uh, I'm thankful that he was, he was there. And uh, the report that reached me this morning, that reached him, was that the mother is going to be fine as well. And so uh, just thankful, man, just thankful. Okay, now let's jump into Second Th Thessalonians, okay? Let's jump into this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And, and Paul opens this up with these four words. As for other matters. That, that sounds like a commentary on all of our lives, isn't it? As for other, at the moment, the moment, Mark, we get things kind of squared away, there's always that as for other matters. They just kind of sneak up on you. You know what I'm talking about? They're just there. The moment you feel like you, you've got your footing, there's other matters to address. And so Paul says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. For not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, transitions, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command, which really is what the Lord commands. May the Lord direct your hearts. Now this is, this is the catch. This is the thing, man, we've got to cling to. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every brother and sister that's gathered here today that you would give them the endurance and the stamina in their hearts and minds, Lord, to hear and receive your word this morning. I bless them, Lord, for every person 
who, who has chosen to come out this morning uh, to 100 Hobson Way. I pray, Father, that they would sense, Lord, your encouragement, the truth of your word, Lord, just pressing into their being, into their person. I pray, Father, that they would leave here having benefited, not from hearing from Trent, not from just hearing from the worship team, but hearing from you this morning. And so, Father, that's what we're asking, to be guided, oh God, in, into your love and into Christ's perseverance. That's what we're wanting. And so, Lord, I, I bless my brothers and sisters. These things I ask, and I ask in the name of Jesus. And the sons and daughters of God said, amen. 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 Okay, let, let, let's un, unpack this, okay? You guys have the verses up there, right? Paul, yeah. Jump back here to verse 1, Clark. There we go. Let's look at this. As for other matters... Brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. Now, when I read this very first verse, it says multiple things to me. I'm not going to share with you everything that it said to me because we want to get out of here while it's still Sunday. So what I'm going to do is share with you a couple of things that kind of jump right off the page, right off the bat because of the Apostle Paul's request at this given moment, okay? Okay? First of all, it, it, it identifies something in the Apostle Paul and in Timothy and in Silas because he asked them to pray for us, right? So he's including the other two guys who are part of the penmanship, if you will, at the beginning of this letter. And what it says about them that I once said about me, and I believe you once said about you, is that there's a level of humility in our lives that is God-honoring regardless of our progression in our faith and our pursuit of Jesus. Meaning, it doesn't matter how long you've been in the faith, you should still understand that you have a need and there is a benefit for you in the prayers of other people. Right? Meaning, there's never going to be a time in your lives that you can disconnect, disengage from the value, the value of other brothers and sisters' prayers. God hasn't called us to isolate ourselves from one another and to swell up in our own person and ride this thing out by ourselves, right? Many of us have tried that. Many of us know it doesn't end well, Right? Humility, that's an awesome thing that Paul demonstrates right off the bat. The very fact that he, being this great apostle, would say to a church that was born over a period of three weeks, I need your prayers. That says something in itself, and that is this. Though they were young in the faith, once you are a part of the family of God, Regardless of whether it's been three weeks, four weeks, five years, 10 years, 20 years, the moment you are engaged, the moment you are adopted, the moment you are grafted into the family of God, you have access to the Father to intercede for one another. Meaning, my prayers, regardless of what you may think, I have no greater right to access the Father than you have right to access the Father. 
You say, well, Trent, you've been a follower of Jesus for 30 years. I've been a follower of Jesus for three days. You mean to tell me I have access and, and I can have that confidence to approach God just like you do? Yes. Absolutely. You have the exact same access, the exact same power, the exact same one to pray to. Right? As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Listen, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You and I should have confidence to approach God, right? With our request, with the certainty and the surety that God hears us in our time of need, whatever that may be. And so Paul says to these young jokers, Pray for me. Now, I don't know how that comes across, man. When you got this spiritual giant like the Apostle Paul talking to these young guys, I mean, you want to talk about, man, having to fight off an ego trip. If you're the Apostle Paul and you're on the receiving end of his request, it would be like having Billy Graham call you on your personal number, your cell phone, and say, hey, Brandon, this is Billy Graham. Would you pray for me? You'd be like, let me put this on. So everyone can hear it. Let me put it, turn the volume all the way up. Speaker. What, what was that, Billy? You know what I'm And so you can see these young people. I mean, that would be a that would that would that would be something to battle. But man, I'm telling you, the flip side of that would be the encouragement that you would receive, knowing that someone such as himself had entrusted you to care for him in that realm of intercession. Right? And so when people come to you. And say, hey, Josh, man, pray for me. What they're doing is they're depositing in you a confidence. That I feel like you can go to bat for me. That I feel like God is faithful to respond to the prayers of any man who is in Jesus, any woman who is in Jesus. And you and I should have that response. And we should carry that great, great responsibility when the individual say to us, pray for me, pray for us that there's a trust being transferred. And we are obligated then to do that very thing as a brother or a sister, right? And then he says this. Now, this is a very, this is a very powerful truth, and we have to be really honest with ourselves, okay? He says this. Pray for us what? Now you get a look into the Apostle Paul's mind and heart. Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread and be honored. Notice what Paul doesn't ask for prayer for. Pray for me that I get a pay raise. Pray for me that I get that new car, that new house. Pray for me that every advantage in life would be given to me. Pray for me that everything would break my way. Pray for me that all favor is always mine. That's not what Paul was even asking about. What did Paul ask for prayer for? Listen, that the message of the Lord may spread and be honored. 
And then he closes that verse with this. Just as it was with you. This is what he was saying. He was saying to these guys, I want you to pray for me that what God has done for you, he will do for others. Now the confidence in the prayer is born out of their experience that has been validated by what God has done in them. Meaning Paul is saying to them, pray for me that I can accomplish in others what God has accomplished in you. Now if it's real in you, then you're convinced that prayer is significant and it's something to, to partake in. But if the existence and the reality in your own life isn't convincing, then you're not going to find yourself engaging in prayer. Do you, are you with me? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Paul is saying, Paul is saying, hey guys, you know how real this is. You know, and that's the reason he was so confident to inquire, beseech of them, right? Plead with them to pray for him because they knew the transforming power of prayer and God in their lives. Hence, when that reality is ours, it fuels us to engage because we know we've been changed by that. Listen, I was in uh, the hospital. Obviously, I was visiting Penny Rockford. And, and God had already done some work. The doctors already said, hey, man, there's some things that, ain't, that, that we don't know. And I didn't want to interrupt too much, but I interrupted a little. Right? And so I'm, I'm sitting there. There's, there, there's Miss Penny laying in the bed. There's Ronnie Rockford in a recliner. Some things never change. There he sits. And to her, her left, my right, was her brother Richard. And he's in a wheelchair. And he's sitting there and he's holding her hand. And he's telling his sister, the only two siblings still alive. He's telling his sister how much he loves her. When I first walked into the room and I engaged, engaged Richard, I, I had met him before, and he was so tickled to death, I, I guess just because there was a fellow laborer there with him praying for his sister and, her, and their family, and so he said, oh, oh, I'm so glad to see you. And I was like, hey, man, I, you know, I was kind of giddy, you know, God doing some work. And he said, her holding his sister's head. Well, her granddaughter walks in. Now, Richard understands God's already done some work. Penny's granddaughter then comes into the room. Now, I'll I, I confess now, we violated whatever number of uh, guests were allowed in the room. We, I mean, we had a plethora of people in there. But one of her granddaughters comes in, and her granddaughter's expecting. She's due in like a week. You know, I mean, she's there a week or two. I mean, she's pressing in, man. She's, she's going down that, that uh, I mean, pushing towards the finish line. And so here's her Uncle Richard, or it's actually her great-uncle Richard, sitting in a wheelchair, holding her grandmother's hand, and she walks up to her Uncle Richard, gives him a hug. Her stomach is out there, evident of, of her condition. And right there in the middle of all that, Richard stops everything. And this is one of those cool moments you, you have in these moments. And he reaches over this old Uncle Richard, great Uncle Richard, 
having already engaged God on behalf of his daughter and saw the results of, of God intervening, he reaches over and he lays his hand on his great niece's stomach and he begins to pray. He said, oh God, he says this. I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, ha! You know, he says, oh God, may this baby know you. May this baby love you. The granddaughter just starts crying, right? I'm like, man, what's up with Brother Richard? Uncle Richard. I mean, this joker just, just turned this into a, one of those prayer intercession uh, a hospital. It was because he already had the confidence that God was active and moving even in that room that he said, hey, why waste this opportunity? Let's pray for a baby multiple generations removed from my own life that I may never see grow up. But I'm going to invest a prayer in the life of this baby because I trust and believe in the transforming power of God that this baby could be affected by the prayer that I'm praying right now, even if it were to come months, years, decades later. And there may come a time, my brother, that that little baby, boy or girl, will accept Christ and someone with the cognitive memory of that moment will say before you were ever born there were people praying that you would come to know God why did he have that confidence he had already experienced and you and I our confidence is born out of our own experience and our lack of confidence is born out of our own experience so I say to you this morning, what is your experience? That's first verse. And then he says this. And I pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. Paul acknowledges right there in that given moment that there would come a time in his life, in Timothy's life, in Silas's life, that suffering was coming. Difficulty was coming. Adversity was coming. And Paul was saying, when that comes, you know, down the road, baby, that, you know, when that comes, pray, too, that we would be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. Paul was basically saying this. He was, not if, but when it comes. When it comes. And so Paul's sitting in their hearts at this moment that this is the confidence that I have in you. And so when you find yourself in this spot, you can have the same confidence. Do you know how many of us we draw confidence from each other. Do you know how many times your witness has been an encouragement to me? Watching you go through difficult times that a lesser man or lesser woman would not be able to navigate, and yet God shows himself so strong in your lives in those difficult seasons. Do you know how that feeds me? You do know. You know why? Because it has fed you. 
I got a report, a, a text late last night. You know, Saturday night's rough night for the preacher, right? You're dealing with all kinds of craziness on Saturday night. All the discouragement comes on Saturday night. You know what I'm talking about? All the bad news comes on Saturday night. I tell you, it just works like that, man. It's predictable. If you're going to send me a text on Saturday night, it better be something good. <laughs> or I ain't even answering. But I'm telling you, it seems to happen like that. Well, last night, man, traversing, navigating some difficult things over this last week, I get a text message from Blair and Hillary Wilcox. And I don't know if you guys remember them. They were an army family, military family that were here for a short period of time. He was always an encouragement. He came down here several times to pray about God's will and purpose in his life, this, that, and another. And he begins to talk about, listen, he begins to talk about the time that he had here and the benefit that he and his family experienced by being a part of TDC, even though it was for a short period of time. And then he mentioned a particular family in the church. He did. He said, Jeremiah and Amy were a godsend. Were a godsend to us. The Nordikes, if you need to know. And you know what happened to me? Though he had sent that to encourage me, when he said that about Amy and Jeremiah and their family, the witness of what they had done and the role that they had played in their lives. That wasn't me. That was them. That was you. When he talked about the TDC church, man, he wasn't talking about my 55-minute sermons up here. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the love, man, that you guys had expressed and how you had embraced them. He was talking about the TDC family. And I begin to see, even in that short little text, the influence that your lives were having, the Norlikes was having on this young family in transition. Even for a short season, the impact was incredible. And it was so encouraging and so impactful. Don't ever undersell your impact on others. He says, and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. Okay, now the, the thing I want you to understand right here is that the Apostle Paul isn't talking about two different groups of people. Like there's wicked people and then there's evil people. That's not what he's talking about. As a matter of fact, he's talking exclusively about one group of people and he's identifying them and describing them with these two words. And in the Greek, now you're going to really get this. In the Greek, wicked means at topos, it means to be out of place, out of design. And evil is paneros, means pain-ridden. You know what the Apostle Paul was saying? He was saying basically, pray for us that we might be delivered from people who are out of place from their original design, and it's creating in them a pain-ridden experience. Because what Paul was saying was this, once we get out of the original design of God, our lives, whether you like it or don't, whether you're experiencing now, 
You will experience it. You will have a pain-ridden experience when we step outside of the original design of God. And so when he says that, that's what Paul was talking about. And he's saying this, hey person, if you get out of the design, you will be pain-ridden. Out of design equals pain-ridden. And you and I know this. There's many of us at many times, many places in our lives when we have tried to operate outside of the design of God, you know, desiring things that we desired, not the things that God desired. And lo and behold, pain-ridden is what we were, right? Anybody ever been pain-ridden because you operated outside of the design? Me and Ricky. Okay, me and Ricky. Okay, Angie's in. Danny's in. Might as well raise your hand. I'll, I'll, spend, I'll, I'll stand there all day calling on every person individually. Right? Every time we operate outside of the original design, we end up pain-ridden. And the Apostle Paul said, these out-of-design people who are pain-ridden, pray that God would deliver us from them. You know why? Because pain-ridden people will inflict pain on people. Hurting people hurt people. Right? And he says this. Why are they out of design? Why are they pain-ridden? Because they don't have faith. Pistis in the Greek, meaning they don't trust God. Hence, you go all the way back to the out of design. Because what is the design? That we would be in a faith-based relationship with God through Jesus. Paul says it right there. Why are they this way? Because not everyone has faith. That's the second verse. Let's move on. I'm going to try to get y'all through here. But then he says this, and he transitions, Carl. He says, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. But the Lord is faithful. Man, I love that. Man, if you leave with nothing else, leave with that one. The Lord is faithful, right? The Lord is faithful. And he says this, but the Lord is faithful, comma, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. The faithfulness of God, right, becomes the catalyst, what? For our strength, his protection, experiencing that by trusting God. You know why? Because we don't trust God. You know what you and I typically do? We want to we uh, strengthen and protect ourselves because we don't trust God. Man, we got to go to work for ourselves, right? We got to get shifty. At work, we're not trusting God. All of a sudden, we got to get shifty to get, get things to work out our way. We got to get shifty to, to secure our position. We got to get shifty. That's what we do when we don't trust the faithfulness of God. Then it then becomes incumbent upon us. What? To work things out in our own strength and to protect ourselves, right? Right? Ricky Lowell, I want to talk to you. Uh, I'm weighing my words. <laughs> mm. Let me put this story on the scales and balance it out here. Uh, Ricky's back here saying, oh, no. I gave him a little warning this morning. I said, hey, Ricky, I got a story to share this morning. You can see the, the beads of sweat just kind of pop up on his brow. 
He's like, do I need to get, uh, get a lawyer? Uh, uh, you know, uh, do the story's not really that bad. It's not bad at all, actually. A few months ago, I, I went over to Ricky's house, and I installed a backup generator for his house. Right, Ricky? And uh, 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 got all that installed. And then probably a month and a half ago, so maybe two months ago, we do a dry run over there, don't we? And so I went over to his house and I said, okay, we're going to do a dry run. We're going to see uh, exactly what this generator has the capacity to do. We read what it had the capacity to do. We wanted to see it in action. We wanted to prove and test this generator. We had the fire department on backup. I mean, 911 was right there. Boom, speed dial. The first thing I said to Ricky, I said, the first thing we're going to do is we got to shut off your power. <laughs> you track it with me? Got to cut off your power to find out whether this other power is adequate or not. Right? You can't run both of them. Right? You with me? So we shut down his power. We hit that interlock so we wouldn't backfeed the lines with a current and end up killing somebody or something. That interlock. We started that generator up, the generator system. I said to Ricky, are you ready? We're, going, we're about to put fire in a hole. We had every breaker turned off and we begin to load onto that generator a pull. We hit the first breaker. House still standing. No fires, no smoke. We hit the second breaker third breaker. We had everything marked. The essential things under a crisis situation. What would you want to run, Ricky? And we had them marked out. He had practically everything marked out. I said, you got to pick and choose some stuff. And so we started going through it. Man, we, we turned on this. We turned, Man, before you know it, and, and every time we'd hit that switch, man, we were listening to that generator. We wanted to see and hear. We wanted to the impact of that draw, whether or not it, it was going to uh, render the generator useless. So we turned this on. We turned that on. Light started coming on. We started loading on this power source. And then they had a mini split in a little sunroom. That's going to be the emergency room. When all else fails, family run to the sunroom. We'll heat it and cool it and whatever else. We'll survive there. We hit it and that generator system runs smooth as it can be. And so we said, man, we stinking, we were popping everything on. That generator was idling, just humming. It was able to handle the load, you see. And then Ricky said, Trent, do you think it can run our entire furnace system in our house? I said, who cares what I think? Let's turn it on and find out. <laughs> what does it matter? I could say, yes, we could hit it. Three months later, it shuts you down. Let's, let's do it, Ricky. So he, he goes inside and he turns the thermostat all the way up to engage the furnace unit. We, we had hit it. We waited for the furnace to kick on. Waited for the response of the generator, the lag. That furnace kicks on, that generator hums. Now I could have left there that day with the uncertainty of whether or not that generator along with everything else in the house would have sustained his furnace and heating system. We could have speculated. We could have considered. We could have thought, guessed. But you know what we did? 
We unloaded on that power source. We just gave it all over. We hit the breaker. And the power source was substantial enough to generate the needed power. So you know what Ricky and them know now? That when the power goes out, and it's not if it goes out, because you guys live in Kentucky. It's when it goes out. He's got a power source that he can depend on. And the reason he knows he can depend on it, he's unloaded on it before. And the reason you and I can know we can depend on God and he can give us strength and he can give us protection is because we've unloaded our needs for strength and protection before. He's been load tested. Right? Many of us do not know. We do not experience. We do not have this confidence. Why? Because we've tried to navigate things in our own strength. We've tried to be our own protector. We've never loaded. We've never loaded God. We've never given him the chance, the opportunity to show himself to be that very one who's willing and desires to take our loads, our needs, whatever they are, and to hold up under regardless of what the draw is. Why? Because the draw will never, ever be too much for him. It'd be too much for you, but not too much for him. You see? He says this, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. I love the strength and it's Sterizo, it means to fix firmly or to support. It's like, a, it's like a, 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 a deep stake in the ground. He'll support us, strengthen us. It's like a couple years ago we had this crazy Darth Vader inflatable Christmas decoration. And it had this real skinny stake that you would tie a string to. And we'd blow up Darth Vader, and he's out there in the yard. He's lit up, and the wind would blow Marky Mark. And all of a sudden, the force man would just ravage Darth Vader. You know what I'm talking about? We'd go out there, Darth Vader would be laid over, stake done pulled up out of the ground. You know what was needed? A deeper, stronger stake. And what Paul is saying right here in the, in the use of the steroids, he was saying God is a deep, deep stake, and he will strengthen you to absorb the winds, right? He will strengthen. That's what he's talking about. The word protect means, also means to guard. He will strengthen you. You can look this up in the Greek and my sister will post it. Not, it, it doesn't just mean to guard. It means to be present. So he's going to strengthen you. He's got you tied down. And he's going to remain present. He ain't sending somebody else to guard you. He's going to guard you, right? And then he says, we're in verse 4, we're finishing. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. And the Apostle Paul is convinced, once again, this is the theme out of his own experience. Why is he convinced that they will do and continue to do what he is commanding? Because the command that he has given them is from God. It is the same one that had given Paul his command. And what had Paul done? He had been faithful. And so Paul is saying, what God's done for me, he will do for you. And your response to God can be likened unto my response to God. The reason I believe 
that people can be redeemed. I'm on, I'm on team redemption. Anybody else on team redemption? I'm on team redemption. That's what Kerry calls it. I'm on team redemption. Right? The reason I believe that God can redeem you from the shoddy place you may find yourself is because God redeemed me from a much shoddier place. And I'll not embarrass myself and my family and say to you exactly what that shoddy place looked like. Many of you know the story. And if I went over all the shoddy things that I'd done in my life and how I'd gotten to that place, we would be here till tomorrow. But because I know God can deliver, because he delivered me, I have that same confidence that he can do that very thing for you. No one's beyond that. I believe that with all my heart. So let's close in this verse. He says this, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Hmm. Direct in, in the Greek means a straight way. No unnecessary delays. Most direct is what it means, kind of. May the Lord direct. He, may the Lord not have you delayed. May the Lord keep you straight. Keep you straight going where? To him. Do you get that? Don't ever think that God is leading you to a given destination in your life. Don't ever think that God, the, the objective of God is to lead you into quote unquote a ministry position. Quote unquote a job position. Quote unquote this position or that position. If you think that that's the objective of God, you're fooling yourself. Do you know where God's ultimately leading you? And this is the overriding, overarching reality of the gospel. God is always leading you to him. Deeper to him. And that's what the apostle Paul says right here. He literally says, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love. Man, I, God's trying to pull us in. He's trying to get us closer to him. Some of you have no idea how much God loves you. And you know what God is wanting to do? He's wanting to do what Paul said. God's wanting to bring you straight into him, into his love. But then Paul closes with an odd statement. I don't, I don't know. And we're going to close with it right this very second. He said, not just into God's love. So it would read like, it, it would read like this. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love. May the Lord direct your hearts into Christ's perseverance. That's how that should read. God's love becomes the catalyst to Christ's perseverance. And you're like, man, what are you talking about? Christ's perseverance. Man, I, I, I don't know about this church jargon. What does that mean? Christ's perseverance. What are you talking about, Trent? Hey, man, break this thing down. Unpack that. I, I've read that a hundred times. What, what, what is Christ's perseverance? Well, he's talking to a church who has suffered a great deal. A young church who has been under the weight of persecution. The weight of suffering. And the Apostle Paul says, my prayer to the Lord is that he would direct your hearts into his love, into Christ's perseverance. What is Christ's perseverance? It is found in John chapter 16, verse 33. And these are the words that you and I need to embrace when we're understanding the need for Christ's perseverance. This is what Jesus says on the verge of being betrayed, being turned over, being crucified. These are the words that he says to define what Christ's perseverance really is. He says, I have told you these things 
regarding what was going to happen to him so that in me you may have peace. Now that makes no sense. He's literally saying all this stuff is happening and I'm telling you about all this horrible stuff that's going to happen so that you can have peace. You know why he says that? He's saying that to them, don't think I've lost control. Oh no, when all this stuff goes down, don't you think I've lost control? I'm telling you before it goes down, so when it goes down, you know I was calling the shots. That's what he's saying right there. This thing hadn't slipped out of my hands. He said, I'm telling you all this stuff so that you can have peace. John the Revelator on the island of Patmos talks about this world going to hell in a handbasket. So when we see this world, man, under the travails of, of difficulty and, 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 and insanity, man, we should have peace. Why? We've been told this, right? It's the same thing, basically. But he's not done there. That's not all Jesus said, that verse. He says, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, Thessalonica church. But take heart. I have overcome the world. <laughs> That's what he says. That's what he said. That's what he said. That's Christ's perseverance. And so when the apostle Paul is saying to him, I'm praying that God would lead you into his great love, into God's love, and into Christ's perseverance. Christ's perseverance is that very thing. Take heart in light of trouble from this world. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And Paul was saying, Come and eat from the table of Christ's perseverance. Let Christ's perseverance be in you. So that you, young church in Thessalonica, you're betrayed by your neighbors, you're turned over to the authorities, you're beaten openly, you're persecuted in and outside of the church. Take heart. Jesus said you would have trouble. But also, he said, I have overcome, and I've overcome. Why? So that you can overcome, not in yourself, but you can overcome in him, right? In him. Yeah, that's right. In him. Stand with me this morning. We're going to be dismissed. Listen, you're going to go through some difficult things out there. My prayer for you is that God would direct you, make it straight for you, that you would experience the fullness of God's love, man, that, that I'm telling you, man, that you would be saturated with his love, you'd be overwhelmed with his love, and that when difficulty comes your way, and it will come your way from this world, I want you to understand what Jesus said. Take heart. Take heart, Kevin. Take heart, Danny. Wes, when you got a crazy boss, take heart. Take heart. When people around you are putting pressure on you, you feel like you're in the vice of life, and, the, and you're being squeezed, take heart. Jesus, paraphrase, I've overcome the vice. I've overcome the vice, and you too can overcome the vice in him. Right? You with me? You got that? Everybody got that? Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus... We understand your words. And God, this isn't just an, an emotional uh, exchange where we're moved in our emotions. We want to be moved in our mind, in our heart, in our very being, in the essence, in, the, in our identity. We want to be so transformed that we can live this gospel out 
We can be led directly into your love. And when the adversity comes from whatever source, because not everyone has faith, that we'll know that we possess too your perseverance. And oh God, would you whisper to us, take heart. I say that to you this morning with our eyes closed this morning. Some of you need to hear this. Man, because you're going through some things. You're going through some things. And you need to hear this this morning. In Jesus, take heart. Jesus has overcome this world. And so, Father, for the one who so desperately needs to hear that, who feels as though they're hanging on for dear life. Oh God, may they surrender working in their own strength and may they concede to your strength. May they, may they recognize that you're a load bearer who has limited capacity to bear all of our loads who desires to bear them, may we recognize that and understand that. And may we all leave hearing you say, take heart, take heart. So Father, I, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for my brothers and sisters Wherever they're at, whatever's going on, may this reality play out in their lives. I bless them. I thank you for them. We're, 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 just, uh, we're just a family loving on each other. Team redemption. Here at TDC, I pray for the church in this community, in this state, in this nation, in this world, the church the body of Christ, strengthen her in the truth of your word and the power of your spirit. Guide her, direct her into your love and your perseverance. And it's in the name of Jesus, these things we ask. And the sons and daughters of God said in Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you.